God approves those who place faith in Jesus Christ. This is what we will study in this week's episode of Through the Word. Hi, I'm Adam Burton. I'm the pastor at Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. Every Thursday, I release a new Bible study that comes from the Gospel Project, where we go chronologically through the entire Bible to see how all of Scripture points to Jesus. You can watch Through the Word on Facebook, on YouTube, Instagram, as well as our website at cbcmaysville.com. You can also subscribe to the Through the Word audio podcast in your favorite podcasting app. And would you do me a favor? If you're on Apple Podcasts, would you please go and subscribe and uh, review and uh, give us a five-star rating if you would please do so. Well, are you ready? Let's study the Bible. Our focus in this episode is faith. You know, one of the reasons people in our culture do not understand the term faith is that many churches often talk about it but seldom define it or explain it. Yet God's church is to demonstrate faith by the way we trust Him and the way that we live. Thus, in looking at the passages for this study, we should first define faith and then take up the challenge of walking in faith as Christ's church. You know, the Apostle Paul explains in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But what is faith? Well, God requires us to follow him in faith, right? He expects us to believe what we cannot see and act on promises not yet fulfilled. Now, that faith should be evident at all times, including the difficult times of life. Persevering in faith is not easy in in the face of trials and suffering. In those times, it is wise to remember believers who have gone before us, knowing their stories of trust, seeing their faith in action, and watching God use them in mighty ways can compel us to press on in faithfulness. You know, our supreme example of faithfulness to God's work, though, is Jesus. Following Him, we must persevere in God's work, trusting Him in faith. Thus, we should strengthen our faith through studying stories of others and turning our eyes to Jesus. Here's our first point. Hebrews chapter 10 concludes with a call to live by faith and a caution not to draw back from a commitment to Christ. Chapter 11 then quickly follows with a simple definition of faith and a a long list of examples of faith. This entire chapter takes us on a journey through Old Testament history, and it highlights faith in such a way that the reader is surely encouraged to walk with God, even when the consequences of faithfulness are painful. Read with me Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Hebrews 11 verse 1 provides us with a definition of biblical faith. Faith is not simply a a crutch for the the weak-minded, nor is it a false assurance based on a weak foundation. It is not a subjective feeling or a fleeting hope. It is not based on opinion, wishful thinking, or elusive optimism that something will happen according to our plans. 
Rather, it is a solid certainty that God always keeps his word. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Now, the words seem almost contradictory, right? Proof usually assumes some kind of empirical evidence, but that is the nature of faith. In contrast to the adage of seeing is believing, Christian faith is believing whether or not we have seen. Right? It is an inner conviction, a strong persuasion that we can trust the things of God without having to see them. We trust without question that Jesus rose from the dead, not because we were at the tomb, but because God's inspired word tells us so. We can believe that God is working all things together for our good, not because that plan is always obvious to us or in our fallen world, but because God gave us that promise. We believe in the reality of eternal life, not because we have been on the other side of death to experience it, but because God has promised everlasting life to whoever believes in him. God has spoken, and we trust him, as Paul said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. In particular, faith clings to God and his word for the things we hope for, that is, for the fulfillment of God's promises and plan in the days to come. We look forward to, for example, the the resurrection of the body as our eyes watch with certainty for the return of the Lord. Being with Jesus in the new heaven and new earth is our future as believers, and we anticipate that day with joy. Faith allows us to face a future with, with a sure hope because we know God is in charge of the future. We have unshakable confidence that he will bring his plan to pass. That is what faith is. We simply stand on the rock-solid belief that God will keep his word. Check out this essential doctrine, faith. Biblical faith is the resting or trusting in Christ alone for salvation. More than being simply a mental agreement of historical facts, genuine faith begins with a recognition and confession of the truth of the gospel, followed by a receiving of Christ as Lord and Savior of one's life. Biblical faith is not blind faith, for it rests on the historical death and life and death and resurrection of Christ. You know, how would you contrast the way that the Bible presents faith with how our culture thinks about the notion of faith today? Well, in our culture, faith requires concrete evidence. Faith is seen as a a crutch to help the the weak-minded people to cope with life. Biblical faith is dismissed while culturally approved forms of evidentiary faith is favored, such as science. The writer of Hebrews reminded his readers that Old Testament followers of God also lived by faith, and by faith they received their commendation. Now, this idea leads into the list of faith Hebrews, uh, faith heroes beginning in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 4. But it also shows that faith brings God's approval. Right? He looks with favor on those who walk by faith. He delights with his people when they trust him with full confidence and follow him accordingly. We will see in the remainder of Hebrews 11 the the names and stories of multiple men and women whose lives illustrated this kind of trust. They followed God in the present tense as they trusted his promises for tomorrow. Now, faith is a present tense reality. Faith believes God today. 
It walks obediently today. It gives sacrificially today. It denies self today. It says no to temptation today. We live differently today based on the, pro- on the basis of faith in the truthfulness of God's word and his promises. Now, faith is not just a one-time past tense act at the point of conversion. No, it is an ongoing, life-transforming, active part of a believer's life in the present and into the future. Here's our second point. Read with me Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, often called the hall of faith, Hebrews 11 echoes the words by faith and the stories of many who followed God with remarkable obedience. The focus of this discussion of faith turns from the names of people to the actions faith heroes took in following God. Now, the actions are striking and powerful, inviting us to walk beside these faithful men and women, even as we desire to do some of the same powerful works they did. The faith of the Old Testament heroes is active and apparent. Evidence in their actions based on their trust of God and his word. You know, for example, Abraham set out for a land and a city he had never seen. Moses left prosperous Egypt behind to identify with his people Israel. Rahab welcomed the Israelite spies in Jericho. Gideon led a reduced army to rout the Midianites with a strange battle plan. Barak was the military leader serving with Deborah to defeat Sisera and the Canaanites. Samson failed much in his story, but he was instrumental in the defeat of the Philistines. Jephthah, known for his foolish vow, still defeated the Amorites and the Ammonites. David defeated the giant Goliath and later became the king of Israel. The judge and prophet Samuel spoke truth to kings and anointed David. And finally, the general reference to the prophets likely refers to all the Old Testament prophets. Now, none of the persons on this list were perfect, but all were people of faith, a fact that gives us hope as imperfect people. You know, these and others believed what they could not see because they trusted in God. Now, the writer of Hebrews did not limit his illustrations to powerful, miraculous pictures. Instead, he shifted to include examples that illustrate that faith can be costly, right? Some followers of God lived in undesirable circumstances. 
Others endured pain, persecution, and execution. Yet these two lived and died by faith. They accepted their fate because their faith pointed them to the promise of resurrection. Their future tense assurance gave them strength in the present tense persecution. Now, uh, and so they, they, um, they, they, they died here knowing that what they went through was worth it because of what was to come. You know, we've seen the fulfillment uh, of a prophecy. Uh, uh, we have seen the fulfillment of a promise the Old Testament believers didn't see. See, Christ has come to provide salvation. Right? They, they knew the prophecies and, and the promises, but they did not live to see Jesus on earth. They die looking forward to something better, to the fulfillment of God's plan through the coming Messiah. And at the end of time, God will make complete all the believers in Christ, including those heroes noted in this chapter. And someday all of us will see what we see today only by faith. You know, how does faith in God transform our suffering? Well, we know that all suffering is filtered through God's loving hand to accomplish good in our lives. Suffering becomes a means to, to turn our eyes to God and to shape us to be more like Jesus. Sharing in Jesus' sufferings assures us of sharing in his resurrection. And we recognize that that suffering is only temporary. Here's our last point. Read with me Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, chapter 12 begins with, therefore. Now, the writer wanted to connect what had previously written with his direction to run the race well. Now, the setting of this race imagery is a sports arena, a grand amphitheater with a large crowd watching the racers. And the great cloud of witnesses includes the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, whose lives and deaths reflected deep faith that persisted to the end, a testimony of the grace and power of God demonstrated through these examples of faith. Therefore, the readers of, of Hebrews are encouraged to press on in faith because they know others before them have persevered to the end. Hey, check out this quote. The cloud of witnesses had had a course to run, and they ran it to the end. But their running cannot suffice for others. The picture is that of a relay race. Those who have run have passed on to us the redemptive purpose of God, which must be carried forward in our generation, at the end of which we, in turn, shall pass it on to others. The writer of Hebrews describes the Christian life as a race in which present runners are following in the steps of previous runners. Like runners who, who receive and hand off the baton, believers learn from others before them and in turn each teach others after them. Now, the call to endurance reverberates throughout the book of Hebrews. Now, the word translated here, endurance, suggests an, an arduous effort, even with the ongoing struggle and strong opposition. 
Right? The, the race is a long one rather than a sprint. And believers are to keep driving toward the finish line. Thus, the original recipients of, of the book of Hebrews would have heard this reminder to not give up or turn back. No, they were to press on even in the midst of opposition. Their goal was to say, like Paul, at the end of their lives, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, to run this race, it matters that we listen to the guidance of the writer of Hebrews. Right? We must lay aside anything that might hinder us from running well. Now, in athletic imagery, that the hindrance or weight might have been excess body fat or needless clothing that, that slowed the runner. Now, in our spiritual life, we are to rid ourselves of anything that gets in the way of, of our following Christ. Now, the image forces us to examine our own lives, to, to see what things, whether good or bad, distract us from running with God. The writer says that we should turn from the sin that hinders us. Now, he doesn't specify what that sin is, now, likely because all of us deal with our own individual sin struggles. And what he does indicate is the power of sin. It wraps itself around us and it binds us up like a long rope wrapped around our legs. Now, progress in our Christian walk is impossible as long as we keep returning to our habitual sins. Yet, most of us need not look long to find that kind of sin in our lives. According to this passage, we, we have a conscience and an intentional role in severing that sin from our hearts to help us to run the race. In addition to setting aside our sin and hindrances, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the reason we are in the race in the first place. And he stands at the finish line to welcome us, even as he runs with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thus, running the race well requires us to turn from our distractions and look to Jesus, the Son of God, who is greater than all. He is, in fact, the originator, sustainer, and completer of our faith. And we believe that he has enabled us to do so, and we run the race with faith because he lives in us. The one who has run the race before us will guide us step by step, leading us as our champion all the way into eternity. Now, the race is not easy, but it wasn't easy for Jesus either. His cost was heavy as he endured an agonizing death on a cross, one of the most degrading punishments in the ancient world. The people mocked him as a common criminal. They gambled away his clothing, and still he despised in the shame of the cross, meaning that he ignored it or dismissed that shame because he had a greater purpose. Jesus' death was an act of obedience to the Father, and Jesus knew that the story was not over with his death. He would be faithful to the end, conquer death, be resurrected, exalted, and provide salvation for the nations. And the fruit of his obedience, his church would bring him joy. Trust in the Father's plan compelled him to obey with endurance. And now he is seated at the right hand of God's throne, a position that shows he has finished the work of our atonement. Faith is not a, a blind leap into the dark. At least, not when it's defined biblically. Now, faith is a confident trust in God based on his character, promises, and proven record. According to scripture, faith reaches to the past, affects our present lives, and provides concrete hope for our future. 
As we have seen, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Old Testament followers of God also lived by faith, and thus we should also. Now, he did not limit his examples and allusions to to positive ones, however. Rather, he drew attention to the reality that faith is sometimes costly. The costliest example of, of faithful living, of course, was Jesus, with his willingness to endure the shame and suffering of the cross. It is to him we look ultimately for motivation to finish the race that lies before us. And it is him we proclaim so others will join us in the race of faith and reach the blessed prize at its end. Because Christ has worked in our lives to bring about salvation and transformation, we draw courage from the example of the faithful through the centuries as we focus on Christ and fulfill God's will. What's time for us to take what we have learned and apply it to our lives? So I want you to choose one of these options here as a way to respond to the truth of of God's word this week. One, what actions will you take because of your faith in Jesus as the son of God who endured the cross for your salvation? What are some ways your church can, can encourage one another as a cloud of witnesses to the joy and blessing of living by faith? How will keeping your eyes on Jesus impact your efforts in sharing the gospel with people God has placed around you? Check out this quote. Ultimately, Jesus accomplished the perfection of our faith by his sacrificial death on the cross. In keeping with the race imagery, he has cleared the path of faith so that we may run it. The way is open. And although hurdles exist, the roadblocks have have been removed. Would you pray with me? Father, great is your faithfulness. And the faith of your saints throughout the ages testifies to this reality. Thank you for persevering your people despite their faults, flaws, and frailty, both until and beyond the coming of your son, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who endured the cross for our sake. Fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can joyfully run the race that lies before us. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's Bible study. While a source of great encouragement, all the examples of faithful men and women in Scripture pale in comparison to the life of Jesus Christ who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame. Because of Christ's work, our faith and and hope and, and that of all who have gone before us will be fulfilled when he returns. We have insurance of the reliability of God's promises. Let me close with this. I want to tell you some good news. And it's this, that Jesus came to live the perfect and sinless life that you could not live. He died the sinner's death you deserve. And he defeated both sin and death by rising from the grave. See, you can be saved from your sins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Are you ready to give your life to him? If so, would you please connect with us? You can text our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That number is 305 707 7729. Or you can go to our website at cbcmaysville.com forward slash connect. There, we want to connect with you. 
We want to put some free resources in your hands to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it so that others too can experience God's word? On next week's episode of Through the Word, it's titled, The Church is Sent to Trust God. We will see that God responds to the prayers of his people when, even when they may have difficulty seeing him at work. Well, Lord willing, I will see you next Thursday for Through the Word. Until then, God bless.